0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode, episode 4 of Performer on Record. Uh, In today's episode, we've got a couple of really great artist interviews. Up first is the band Backhouse, uh, who we recently did a video promotion with uh, in conjunction with Electrovoice on some of their new PA gear. And also an interview with our previous Elixir Strings Artist of the Month, Cecil Alexander. (laughs) This podcast is brought to you by our premier sponsor, Elixir Strings. We only use Elixir Strings here at Performer because their protective coating keeps our strings full of life better than any other brand we've ever tried. And when we're reviewing stomp boxes, amps, and recording gear each month, we don't want anything distracting us from the job, like the hassle and expense of constantly changing our strings. And we know you don't want anything getting in the way of making your music either. So say goodbye to corrosion and dirt and oils and sweat and buildup and all that gunk and use elixir strings trust us their proprietary featherweight coating acts as a great barrier against tone killing buildup on your guitar and bass strings allowing you to just get lost in the music for more information head to elixirstrings.com and also head to our youtube channel we've got tons of demos from real world players just like you checking out elixir acoustic and electric strings (laughs) Uh, I guess it would be uh, topical to to kind of touch upon what's actually happening in the music world uh, these days. Uh, As we record this, we are getting kind of late breaking news that unfortunately Eddie Van Halen has lost his long-term battle with throat cancer. Um, He passed away uh, earlier today at age 65. And and I know speaking from personal experience, uh, and I'm not unique in this, uh, he was certainly the catalyst for me picking up a guitar at a young age, and, and I can probably safely assume that for most men and women of my age and older, um, they likely picked up an instrument because of Van Halen. His influence was was just so vast, and I think it's it's hard for maybe today's musicians under the age of 25 or even 30 to to really comprehend just how much of an impact he made to the instrument uh from its construction to its sound to how it was played and approached um he certainly wasn't the first guitar player to to employ right hand tapping i mean if you go back and listen to some old genesis albums steve hackett was doing some limited tapping techniques on i think even selling england by the pound but Van Halen really exploited that and, and created a new vocabulary for guitarists that didn't exist before. I would say, even more so than than Hendrix and Page and, and guys like that who came before him. Um, you wouldn't have the rock guitar that that followed him in the decade or two after Van Halen's debut um, if he hadn't just reinvented on how you play the electric guitar. So his influence and and impact on the world of music can't really be overstated. And and like I said, it's maybe difficult for for the younger listeners out there to really comprehend just how much he meant to the world of guitar and and how many people he inspired. Um, You're not hearing a lot of guitar music on the radio these days anymore or on Spotify or YouTube or or whatever your listening platform of choice is, but suffice it to say even today's music unknowingly or knowingly owes a debt of gratitude to, to what came before it. And Van Halen was certainly at the epicenter of everything rock and pop, uh, from about 1977, 78 f- onwards for the next 20 years. Um, he was probably still the last relevant rock icon, uh, during my high school days, um, when alternative took over the radio airwaves. So it's it's a huge monumental loss for the industry. If you're not familiar with Van Halen's music, um, I urge you to go seek it out. I'm sure it's on every streaming platform. If you can go to your local record store and, and pick up some of the first maybe half dozen Van Halen records, um, the David Lee Roth stuff and the Sammy Hagar stuff, it's all good. Anything up until... You know the mid '90s, uh, when they were really in their prime. Even the Gary Sharon record is one of my not so guilty pleasures. There's nothing to be guilty about. If you like it, it's good. Um, so yeah, so that was um, that was some hard news to swallow uh, from a personal standpoint and just from an industry standpoint. Um, I don't know that I've seen such an outpouring of of condolences and, and people really that shaken by the loss of uh, of someone that monumental. Um, So 2020, the hits just keep on coming. Uh, I don't know what's in store for us the next few months. Uh, We do have an election coming up. We've got a lot of stuff ahead of us, so who knows how we'll finish out the year. But for now, we do have a couple of interviews to get to. Um, First up, like I mentioned, is the New Jersey band Backhouse. Uh, We recently worked with us on an Electro Voice promotion. So go check out those videos on our YouTube channel and hear what the band has to say, coming up next. All right, so we're here with Taylor from the band Backhouse. Um, For those of you listening who maybe haven't seen yet, um, we worked with the band on a really cool video project um, with Electro Voice going through one of their new portable PA offerings uh, for musicians. So, Taylor, thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me
0: so I would love to give our audience uh, a little bit of background on the band. For those who might not know you guys, um, I can give the two second summary that you're a rock band out of the Northern part of the United States, but that's not really doing you guys justice. So if you can maybe give us a little bit of background on where the band came from, what kind of stuff you guys play, I think that'd be a great place to start.
1: Sure. Um, the general sound is kind of like um, uh, lo-fi rock or like psychedelic type rock. You know, uh, sometimes we have heavy so- songs and sometimes we have, you know, ballad soft type songs uh, and jams. Um, we started in Bradley Beach, uh, a, a town in in, uh, in New Jersey that's just south of um, Asbury Park. OK. There's right. a pretty. Uh, you know, healthy music scene in Asbury Park. So, um, Kyle, uh bass player, and I were living together at the time and um, jamming in the nights and stuff like that. And uh, an opportunity came up where one of our friends was like, you know, you guys should play a show. Uh, these songs that you, you guys play are, are pretty good and stuff. And, uh, you know, you should perform them live. And, you know, we didn't have any intention at that time you know to like really try to propel uh you know the songs we were playing so we um looked for a drummer for the night and uh tried to throw it together and we were able to do so we threw together a little set for a halloween show locally and um we didn't have a band name or anything like that so you know where Kyle and I were living is a carriage house, or also known as a back house. Okay, cool. <laughs> you know, so we just were like, all right, so we'll be back house. You know, it's kind of like um, where everyone you know comes to either hang out or visit us or whatever. You know. So uh, yeah, we kind of just labeled ourselves from where we lived and where the music came from, and uh, we did our first show. And when the curtain pulled, we kind of looked back at each other, like, okay, I, I guess. We're a band now, you know.
0: <laughs> Maybe this is a thing. <laughs>
1: yeah, it was it was pretty um, an interesting experience. You know, I mean, I had a, always, you know, tried to play in bands and, you know, record music and stuff. But it's a it's a very hard thing to do and to keep going with uh, groups or other individuals or even just yourself. So this just kind of happened, you know, organically and uh we've just kind of been you know rolling with it and that's how we kind of connected with you guys you guys were soon after
0: all i mean we put out kind of a a big call to arms for for bands across the country to test out the Electro voice gear and you guys were one of the entries i don't even remember what was so appealing about your your entry form i apologize but i remember thinking all right i gotta put these guys on top of the list because they've got they've got something to offer um and i really liked your guys' personalities i thought that came through uh you know through the application and like you said we teamed up and, and we did those videos which if people head to the youtube channel um they can check those out because honestly it'll give them a good sense of what the band sounds like what your personalities are like and and also uh, obviously what the the pa system can do um speaking of which the pa system would probably be a great thing to be taken out for live gigs right now if if they existed um what are you guys doing sort of in the times of pandemic to to further the music stuff i know you've got a new single coming out
1: uh yeah it's actually it's out on all platforms today and uh tonight uh we'll actually be doing a live stream from the recording studio that we recorded the single at uh and that'll be streaming on jams in the van and orange amplifiers facebook and youtube channels
0: very cool okay and what's the name of the track key of orange excellent so key of orange we are going to share that on our social platforms too so if you're listening to this in the future. Do a quick search. You'll find uh, the video, which I've seen stills from, which look pretty cool. You want to maybe describe the video a little bit to to those who haven't had a chance to see it yet?
1: Yeah, so um, the video comes out October 2nd, so next Friday. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's kind of like a modern art installment, um, you know, with a lot of really unique concepts that unfold and each member has their own unique um small story uh within the within the music video um and then there's some really exciting stuff that happens at the end that we can't disclose yet but
0: i will say there's orange paint involved
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah there is a little and, bit
0: and what it looks like a uh, uh shenanigans yeah definitely so shenanigans and orange paint. Let me ask you something from a band perspective, because there's a lot of artists um, listening who are kind of in the indie and DIY scene. When you go to do a music video, can you maybe break down how that process works for, for bands maybe who are looking to do their first video? Like, where does the concept come from? How do you hook up with, say, a video uh, producer or director or videographer? Maybe walk us through that process a little bit um, for folks who aren't as familiar with how that goes.
1: Well, I mean, this this time around, I would say it's a it's a little. I mean, I've never we've never really been in this position before. Like everything kind of grew to this, and we happen to have friends that do production, um, so we're kind of like affiliated with people in production company, uh, which is uh Hal Peak at Hal Peak on Instagram. Um, cool. We we've been doing all all of our mainly all of our media with them, and. Uh, We work together on storyboards, but, you know, mainly a lot of the uh, creative art and film direction uh, is led by, you know, them and and their storyboarding and stuff. Of course, they work with bands and and, um, and you can throw in a lot of your own vision into it and stuff. And uh, they find a way to make it work so that it's conceptual and you kind of get some of what your vision is if it's a certain shot or a certain color that you want to involve, uh, or something, you know. Um, so we've done two music videos with them, and uh, they've turned out great. And I, I've actually seen other music videos that they've done uh, and that they're working on now that are not finished. And those ones might be the best ones yet. Um, so cool. I think future of the music video thing for us is, uh, is going to be on an incline as well as the natural growth of the band.
0: So are you guys um, releasing the single as uh, a tease to a new record or is it just going to be a standalone type thing? Because I think bands are going in two directions right now. One is they're just releasing single after single, putting the tracks out there as they record them. And the other is kind of dropping them in anticipation of something bigger, like a full length or a vinyl release or something. So what are you guys doing in that regard?
1: Um. I would say that we're still like figuring it out um like what we're gonna be comfortable with rolling out our our songs and our media um, but uh it'll likely be more singles because you know we're we're still a fresh band, and um you know we're still just growing, so you know we before we do a full length, I think we want to grow a little bit more um. So probably to be expected is some more singles, but then probably after that, you know, maybe sometime in the spring or summer, early next summer, 2021, um, yeah, we'll probably have an EP, you know, so maybe we'll drop another single and then another single on the day that an EP comes out or something or other, you know, definitely you guys- a lot of music videos are definitely going to be uh, on the horizon.
0: Are you guys finding it's difficult to get together and and do that stuff now, or is it is it pretty easy for you guys where you're at?
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess where we're at, you know. Yeah, I would say that I don't know. I think that uh, everyone's kind of finding a way to still function. Yeah. Know? So, um. Yeah, we we started to get together a little bit before uh, we did the campaign with you guys um because uh we got jam in the van we got approved to be on their live stream yeah with which was just their instagram so we started to like kind of see each other and figure out how we could you know do music from six feet apart or something you know and then um i don't know now we're it's essentially like we live in the same house, so I guess essentially, you know. So we're um, we're just Sorry. we're just together now, and and we've actually done. We have played live shows this summer outside, um, along like you know the water, here in Jersey, and um, we actually did. They allowed twenty five percent capacity for restaurants, and we were actually booked for an indoor live stream. So we actually played i think it was two weeks ago now um a contest uh that was uh an indoor live stream contest with 25 capacity in the establishment um so we had the best oh. of both we had the live stream thing going and we had a, a live audience and we we even had a, a contest that we were part of that we actually won oh
2: congratulations Thank you. Yeah. So you so, guys are
0: you guys are in the New Jersey New York, New Jersey area. Is is live stuff starting to come back? I'm not familiar with kind of the opening procedures there. It's probably different all over.
1: Yeah. Um so everything was outside all summer. So if you were able to get booked, you were playing outside, you know, nothing sure. was inside. And then just the like I think it was Either the day or a few days before we did that live stream is when they, you know, our local governments said that, you know, we could have 25 percent seating capacity filled
0: inside, you know,
1: uh, unmasked.
0: So that's pretty recent then within the past week or two. Okay.
1: yeah. And uh, it's pretty nice feeling, (laughs) I got to say, and uh, relieving you know to get to that point where you know some people can be inside sitting at a table with their mask off and watching and taking in music with other people that also have their mask off. Yeah. So um yeah, we've found interesting ways to keep busy, you know, online and and we you know, we've did a couple of different streams um But, yeah, we're starting to see shows come back and, um, you know, would like to see some more of it. I I, I actually thought that we would be getting a little wrapped up in a DIY scene like basement and like, you know, like kind of speakeasy situations. Uh, But I actually, um, yeah, we didn't see as much of that as we thought that we would.
0: Yeah, I think people are taking uh, sort of an abundance of caution with those sorts of things, which is probably for the better. I I know every band wants to get back to playing live, but, you know, um, event organizers and even the underground organizers, I think, are probably playing it close to the vest and, and exercising caution and, you know, stuff like that for shows that they probably normally would have done under different circumstances.
1: Yeah, I have to agree with that.
0: So assuming the world gets back on track at some point in the near future, what what do you guys hope to accomplish or what do you guys see yourselves doing, say, over the course of the next year or two? If if the world does open up, if um, venues get back on track, things like that, is there touring in the future? Is there more recording in the future? What do you what do you see for Backhouse?
1: Uh, well, Now um we're rehearsing and recording every week okay cool uh and we will be until um the holidays you know in uh, november starting um and trying to just uh shape and you know finish stuff that we have started and 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 track out some new songs and just see how we feel about how they sound and about releasing them uh as far as like yeah touring and booking like that um absolutely i i think that we uh we we're, we're in a really like i said a healthy ecosystem in asbury uh yeah. where we are and we've done you know we've went up to brooklyn and and played up there but uh, yeah i think we want to swim out of the the pond that <laughs> we're in and uh you know into some other waters you know different cities um, austin you know la you know um different music cities you
0: know? yeah definitely. yeah probably. So. yeah cool cool so well i i for one hope that things get back on track soon so you guys are able to do that um in the meantime you know we look forward to all the new recordings Uh, the new single and the new video which comes out in about a week or two which we'll definitely be sharing on our sites um is there anything else before we sign off here that you think uh anybody should know about the band or maybe plug some of your social sites before we uh, head out
1: uh yeah i guess you know we'll see you all in the bright future and if you're interested in anything you're hearing. We're Backhouse the Band on Instagram and Backhouse All Caps on Spotify, iTunes. Um, yeah, and we'll have a lot of cool videos on YouTube in the near future of just more live performance uh, stuff that we're doing in the studio, in addition to the new singles and stuff that we're recording.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we we appreciate working with you guys. Hopefully we can do another project in the future if some more gear comes in. And uh, until then, this is Backhouse the Band. Check them out online on our YouTube, and uh, we'll talk to you later. All right, Ben. Talk to you. All right. Bye. Bye. That was Taylor from Backhouse. Uh, Their music video is premiering this month. Uh, If you're listening in the future, this month happens to be October 2020. Hopefully the world is still here when you're listening. Uh, Anyway, that was Taylor from Backhouse. And up next, we're going to be talking to Cecil Alexander, uh, who's a really cool um, kind of jazz, jazzy soul uh, guitar player from the New York area currently uh, residing in mississippi with some family um, with all that's going on in the world we had a chance to catch up with him the audio quality is a little less than ideal i apologize we had some technical difficulties but hopefully the interview is still uh, good enough that you give it a listen and, and stick through it uh, it's not that bad um, but cecil's awesome if you haven't checked out his videos uh, head to our youtube channel again or follow him on instagram he's always got really cool clips and uh, we talk about his really cool telecaster that you'll see in a lot of those videos too so here comes cecil alexander So we are here with Cecil Alexander. Thank you for joining us. Um, Cecil, for those of you who haven't been keeping up on our social media, was our Elixir Strings Artist of the Month last month. Uh, So if you head over to our YouTube channel, you'll see some cool videos of him uh, playing what looks like a really rad Telecaster uh, with the Elixir Strings. So you can kind of hear what uh, his style is all about, uh, which we'll definitely get into. But... I would love to start, if you want to take us back and even go further and and kind of give us a sense of when you first started playing guitar, maybe what some of your earlier influences were, and how that all sort of started for you.
2: Sure thing. Um, So I started playing when I was eight years old, um, and that was kind of kickstarted by that that scene in Back to the Future where Marty McFly is like playing Johnny B. Good on the red, uh, Gibson 347 or something like
0: that. I think it's a 345 because
2: it's got that weird knob selector thing. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and I just thought that was the coolest thing I had ever seen. So I'd like begged my parents that Christmas, uh, to give me a guitar and they got me this, um, it was like a red, uh, like kind of Stratocaster copy or something like that. And I started lessons, um, After that Christmas, I think January or something like that, and I was just, like, not really into it initially, because I just wanted to play, like, Marty McFly, (laughs) um, and my teacher was taking me through all these beginner books with, like, reading and uh, scales and stuff like that, and I just wasn't having it. Not interested. (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) So I stuck with that for um, probably two years, maybe two and a half years, and I just, I was real with my parents i said you know i'm not really into this um i think i'm gonna try something else so i stopped playing guitar for two years after that um and i was watching tv and saw um, a video of Jimi hendrix playing at the monterey festival yeah um, and he was like burning the guitar and i was like oh man that's like that's even cooler than that i've seen him (laughs) actually See, so, when you
0: first said "Back to the Future," I thought you were going to say the scene where Marty like plugs in the guitar for the first time and gets like blown across the room. But you went for the scene that made much, much more sense, where he's actually playing guitar. <laughs> right. All right. So Marty McFly, taking lessons. That's not doing it. A couple years go by. You see Hendrix. You pick it up again. Okay. Um, so I just you know remembered that I
2: had a guitar in my basement. Went down and got it, and tried to like make it sound like that and it wasn't really happening. So I, uh, you know, just went on the internet, was learning a bunch of songs through tab, um, uh, lesson videos and that kind of thing. And then I finally got back into lessons, mm-hmm. uh, after being able to teach myself a couple songs. And from there, i you know, got into, uh, Hendrix really deeply, Stevie Ray Vaughn, uh, a lot of Texas blues style players, um, uh, and then I started checking out jazz because I uh, went to the summer program and a teacher that I had was showing me people like uh, Kenny Burrell, Grant Green, you know, just kind of like bridging the gap between the blues players and more jazz. Yeah, so all the
0: old, stuff. like, Blue Note guitar guys.
2: Yeah, yeah. That, and I mean, that's still just what resonates with me um, for sure. Uh, but then after that, I went to uh, Berkeley College of Music mm-hmm. for my undergrad, um, studied uh, jazz composition, and I graduated in two thousand sixteen, and I started my master's at a school in New Jersey called William Patterson University. Uh, that I just finished uh, last year in
0: May. Oh, well, congratulations! So you are officially done with school, or are you going you going for the full PhD now?
2: Done for now.
0: Oh, uh, come on! Yeah.
2: school, but, you know, maybe maybe further down.
0: So what was the thought process going to Berkeley? Um were you planning on making uh, a career of like composition for film or, or what was what was your thought process there?
2: Um so initially I entered Berkeley as a performance major. That was okay. the first major that I declared. Um and I got to Berkeley like not really knowing how to read music very well, not really knowing theory or harmony very well, so I was just getting my butt kicked in all these classes. Yeah, that
0: first year that first year is a killer for a lot of people. Yeah,
2: um, and after that, you know, after some of those intro classes, um, I just figured, you know, I might as well just jump head into like a composition major, because I felt like that would really um, get me started on a lot of that stuff and get it to feel uh, natural, I guess. And at the time, I was just really into uh, Duke Ellington, Wayne Shorter, you know, just like the greatest... Jazz composers, and I wanted to learn how to write in that style. You
0: know, gotcha. So then you graduate Berkeley, and you move on to the master's program. Now, what do you, what specifically were you honing in on in the master's uh, course?
2: Um, definitely more performance oriented. Okay. Um, and I I picked that program in particular at uh, William Patterson because they have kind of a reputation for being more. Uh, more straight ahead or more traditional in their uh, scope, I guess. And that was just something that I felt I really needed to uh, develop a little further. I felt like I was missing some of the fundamentals um, that I should have spent a little more time
0: on. I I gotcha. So that was fairly recently, and then we hit 2020 and the world goes to hell. So did that sort of derail some of the plans that you maybe had coming out out of school to to start your own projects or maybe bring us back to the beginning of the year, what you thought you were going to do and what you're, what you're up to now. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Well, After finishing school, I was just kind of jumping headfirst into the scene, like playing with as many people in the area as I could. And
0: this is in New York, right? In New York
2: and New Jersey. Okay. uh, Gotcha. Um, and you know, a lot of things were coming through, um, I was lucky enough to be one of the finalists for the uh, Herbie Hancock guitar competition in 2019. Very cool. And that was just something that was like, you know, in the back of my head for I don't even know how many years, honestly. Um, so that really, you know, helped me a lot and gave me an idea of like what uh, direction I wanted to move in uh, forward with my music. And then the beginning of the year, I was playing... Um, some more high profile gigs in, in New York and felt like I was kind of moving in the right direction. And then like you said, COVID <laughs> hit and you know, I had plans to like record. Uh, oh, everybody had, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. everybody
0: had plans.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Everybody had plans, <laughs> he Yeah,
2: yeah. But honestly, you know, I've just been um, kind of cherishing the free time to be honest with you. And like, you know, practicing a lot, writing a lot, yeah. um, working on a lot of things that I, I've been meaning to work on for for quite a
0: few years now. So you said you were working on uh, a potential album um, with a trio. Is that something that's still kind of on the horizon that you can do even during these times, or is that unfortunately going to have to get pushed off for now? Well, I was... um, So
2: I was planning it for, uh, like, March, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had the tunes set and everything, had the players set and everything, um, and then it just got postponed. But... In the time since then, um, the only person that's still living in that area is the organist in the group. Yeah, um, The drummer moved back where he's from in uh, Ohio, and I actually moved down to uh, Mississippi a couple weeks ago, because uh, I just had some family that moved down here, uh, wanted to come get help them get settled, and hopefully just kind of use this as like a oasis until the live music scene goes back to normal.
0: So, so the plan is definitely to, to head back to New York if, if things level right out and get back to normal. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. If, if you don't mind my asking, you said you were in Mississippi right now. Did you guys get hit by the storms that have been uh, down in the Gulf? Are you okay?
2: We were pretty fortunate to um, not get too we cannot get hit too hard. Okay, um, good. A couple of weeks ago, we lost power uh, for like a day and a half maybe but um nothing you know, nothing major mm-hmm. like, so
0: if, if all does kind of level out again the plan is head back to new york maybe regroup with the band do that project no had you planned on going into a studio to record that or was that something that you guys were going to do um on your own in like a project studio or something
2: i had planned on going into a into a studio okay.
0: So let's take it back, because honestly, I mean, the future is uncertain right now. So it's hard to speculate about that. But I would love to delve into your style, particularly because when we first got in touch with you um, to, to do this Elixir Strings project, I had only kind of come across you on Instagram and, you know, seeing a minute or two clips here and there. I was like, this is amazing you know so it was a no-brainer for us to reach out but for those maybe who haven't heard you um i could describe your style but maybe i wouldn't be doing it justice if you could maybe give us a sense of what what your personal style is like playing and and what you put into your playing um i think that would give our listeners a, a really great insight into maybe your creative process and how you approach the guitar as a musician and a writer
2: sure um so i tend to lean towards the jazz side of things i suppose Um, i just have like a tremendous appreciation for the lineage of jazz uh, the origins of jazz and blues Uh, and you know even up to uh, hip-hop rock that kind of thing Uh, the projects that i i sent you uh, for the the demo videos in particular is actually a project that i was working on with um, a friend of mine from Berkeley, uh, since like 2012 or something like that, um, and the project is called Alpha Zordon, and it's more of our attempt of at like uh, kind of bridging the gap between like more jazz styles and uh, kind of neo soul, hip hop, uh, that kind of thing. Yeah,
0: you can really you can really hear the eclectic nature of your influences because when we get sent a lot of jazz music, it's a lot of times, and I don't mean this in a bad way, it's a lot of times very standard, right? So you listen to it, and it's something that maybe you can say in the back of your mind, like, I've heard this before, you know? And the playing might be very uh, technically competent and and good, but there's nothing new or exciting about it. But what you're doing, and what I hope people can hear in, in the stuff that we've posted and the things that you've posted separately, is really that fusion of, Different styles that make it more exciting, maybe more contemporary. Something that maybe people who aren't super into jazz could get into because it's got those different elements to it. If that makes
2: sense, right? Yeah, I think I think that a lot of um, what that is is just like trying to use that influence with more, uh, like you said, contemporary influences. Like um, you know, Jay Zilla has kind of taken the. Neo sold and hip-hop world by storm with his uh, production techniques and that kind of thing. Um, You know, jazz musicians in the 60s and 50s didn't have a know, so their, their music was definitely closer to what was happening at that time, and I think that that's something that musicians just have to keep in mind is, you know, things have happened in the last 50 years, and that should also come out in music as well.
0: Yeah. um, I wish the guitar community were maybe a little less conservative than they tend to be, you know, sticking to shapes that, you know, were invented 70 years ago, almost at this point. Um, But that's neither here nor there. I'd love to get into your actual guitar setup. Um, Is the telly that you were playing in the videos for us um, your main guitar or is that um, one of your backups or tell us, tell us what your, your setup looks like
2: so the the telling that i play uh in most of my videos is actually the only electric i own right now okay cool um, so it's a uh, parts caster um the uh body is from a company called mjt okay they do, yeah they do like um, kind of relic defender style yeah
0: i've seen um i've seen their finish work before
2: yeah they, they make really good uh, just nitrocellulose uh and 60s style finishes
0: and is stuff. is your telly relic or is it fairly newish looking it's
2: it's slightly
0: relevant. okay so you have like the yeah, light relic yeah
2: like light wear okay. um, over the body and checking and stuff like
0: that now did you custom order that or did, is that something that you just kind of found and were like oh i need to have that
2: yeah i custom ordered the body cool. um, because i knew i wanted this specific sunburst um that i had seen on some like higher end fender models um and I knew I wanted, like, the, uh, like, a specific checking on the back. And there's, like, a like a pin-up sticker that no one's seen <laughs> on the back of the guitar. Um, and the neck is from a company in uh, Jersey called uh, Musicraft. And they just make, like, custom-style necks. And yeah. it's got a, uh, like, kind of like a, a less-fall, like a 50s less Paul profile. So is, it, is it a little
0: fatter? yeah it's
2: it's a little over um, one inch thick all the way down the that. okay um, and that was just because i had like issues with tendonitis in the past and i just feel like the fuller profile kind of uh makes your hand relax a little bit more
0: yeah definitely and that's the cool thing about putting parts casters together i i've done one actually for the magazine And it's like, you can pick out anything under the sun that that meets your specs that no one's ever going to build for you. You know, Fender's never probably going to build that Telecaster for you. And if they do, it's probably going to be a custom shop, you know, $4,000 guitar, right? (laughs) Um, So that's really awesome that you decided, the hell with it. I'm going to put together, you know, something that meets my specs. Now, what have you got in there for pickups right now?
2: Uh, right now I've got a, uh, the Marzio PAF Master in the neck, um, and that's just, like, a PAF-style pickup. Uh, and then a DiMarzio area T-hot in the
0: bridge. Okay, so you're running a lo- little hot in the bridge.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think it's, like, uh, like 8K or mm-hmm. something
0: like that. So pretty, pretty hot output. Yeah. And the neck was more of, like, a 59 uh, PAF, you said?
2: Yeah, like vintage
0: output. Gotcha, so that's a little mellower, then.
2: Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I knew I wanted to mostly use the neck for more jazz stuff.
0: Yeah, you. that makes sense. Yeah.
2: Are you and doing? At the bridge for distorted stuff.
0: Are you doing anything funky in the wiring, or is that pretty standard?
2: Honestly, there's there's something really funky going on in the wiring. On
0: purpose I, or no?
2: Um, <laughs> kind of on purpose. I wanted. I knew I wanted like a five way switch but I don't really know enough about the specifics of that stuff to, <laughs> to know what it would give me. Um, and I just took it to like a loop here in Boston when I was at Berkeley yeah. and, uh, asked him to put it together. And he was even kind of like, you know, there's some weird stuff going on in here. I think like the, the neck is just as is. Um, and then the second position is like the neck out of phase and the bridge or oh. something like that. Okay. Uh, i'm not i barely use any position from like two to four just because it's like weird quacky kind of like almost a strat kind of sound yeah
0: so it's like positions like two and four on a strat or something like that yeah gotcha yeah so the body's custom the pickups are the Demarzios. the neck is music craft is there anything else that we're missing
2: um pretty standard
0: bridge and all that stuff
2: yeah the bridge is from uh I believe um, and they make like like vintage style uh, telly bridges with um, not stainless steel I'm trying to think of the material but it's supposed to like aid the tone and like make it thicker and give you more sustain gotcha kind of thing.
0: gotcha okay so I'm trying to think if there's anything else that would be kind of out of the ordinary tuning heads are probably pretty standard hmm.
2: so, um, yeah I, I'm not really sure what those are exactly <laughs> <but>. <laughs> Uh, there is a binding on the on the top, like a creamy binding, because I want kind of like a, a less Paul kind of vibe almost.
0: Now, now, what do you prefer for fret sizes? Do you like those like tall, skinny, old vintage-style frets, or do you like the big, fat, like,
2: jumbos? Uh, on this guitar, I have kind of uh, vintage-style frets, but I definitely prefer the jumbos. Um, I've thought about either like swapping the neck out on this or getting a... Um, a refret done because I prefer like the 6,100, uh, or 6,000 yeah. style fret. So I just feel like it, it, um, makes you a little like lighter on your left hand.
0: Well, you know? listen, you're, you're on lockdown. You've got nothing but time. You can build another yeah, one.
2: Exactly. Come on. what
0: What's the holdup?
2: <laughs> we'll
0: one guitar. What kind of guitar player is
2: that? Yeah, no, I, I have, I have one acoustic. Uh, the electric game is definitely lacking. <laughs>
0: no, I mean, this is probably a silly question, but would you be interested in any of, uh, like, the kind of big box hollow bodies for the jazz stuff, or are you sticking with the Tele style?
2: I, I definitely would be interested in, uh, in a big, big box, like a, like an L5 or yeah. like a Super 400. Yeah. And that's just, like, my dream, totally. Uh, but the Tele, the reason I, I put it together was because I wanted something versatile and... Uh, you know, just, like, to my specifications, and I wanted it to be cheap. Yeah. <laughs> so this this telly all together probably ran me, uh, like, $1,700, I think.
0: Yeah, you're not going to find, like, a Super 400 for that. I, yeah, <laughs> or, yeah, like, you know, a Gibson I've, 175 I've, or something.
2: Yeah, I've, I've done some browsing. And
0: yeah, it's I not going to happen.
2: Think about how much a Super
0: 400.
2: Nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> not happening. Um, yeah. Anytime soon.
0: But hey, you'll you'll definitely get there and uh, you'll have to send us pics when you do so we can put them up on our Instagram. Cool. Well, Cecil, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Um, I hope our listeners got a, a better sense of, of who you are and, and what you're about. And like I mentioned at the top of the interview, um, definitely head to our YouTube channel. You can check out some really cool clips um, of him playing the elixir strings that we sent him. Uh, there's two videos up there and many more on his Instagram page and as youtube so if you want to plug those now would be the time to do that
2: <laughs> yeah my instagram uh, handle is just cecil alexander music um and my youtube is going to be the same thing uh, but i mostly put uh new material on my instagram
0: i think that's what most people are doing now i mean do you, yeah. this is probably a silly question do you even have a facebook page for your music I, I
2: do, but okay. that gets updated even less frequently. I think
0: that's that's the downward trend now. Is everybody's just putting everything up on Instagram. People like photos and videos, and that's where they go, especially if they want to not have a bunch of politics in their feed, although, exactly, you know, exactly. <laughs> we won't go down that route. Um, all right, cool. So Cecil, thank you so much again. Um, we're wishing you all the best down uh, in Mississippi with your family. Hopefully things get back to normal, and you can head up uh, back east um, but until then stay safe and we'll talk to you again soon you too, all right thanks so much Bye-bye. all right so that was cecil alexander see the quality wasn't that bad you made it through you got it to this point point. and speaking of quality we are using a, another mic on this episode we're testing out a, a couple different mics just to see which one works best for voiceover We've tried a few USB mics so far on the first three episodes, one condenser mic. I think this one is actually sounding particularly good. Uh, No popping plosives or or harsh S's that we got to kind of DS and get rid of sibilants on. So this might be the winner. And if it's the winner, we'll tell you what it is next time. But until then, uh, enjoy, stay safe, wash your hands, be kind to each other, and we will see you soon. Bye.